Hello, Lupontic folks, and welcome to another episode of Sideburns and Cigarettes, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his cohorts, and their many adventures now in CGI. Ooh. <laughs> now in Technicolor. <laughs> he just missed his cue. I thought we rehearsed this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. No, you, you know you, we can redo this and not keep the, the blooper. Or we could keep the blooper. <laughs> oh, shit. Pontic folks, and welcome to another episode of Sideburns and Cigarettes, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his cohorts, and their many adventures. Now, now. in Technicolor. <laughs> well, CGI, boy. Oh, yeah, sorry. Get... Now, in CGI. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you get the gist. <laughs> yeah. A new oh dimension in thievery. <laughs> um, so, if you haven't figured out already i'm natalie and i'm one of your hosts for this episode this is actually pretty exciting because um our other hosts we've had a little bit of issues trying to get him on the show because yes, he I'm, lives <laughs> i'm from the other side of the ocean and um, no i'm not i'm not a man of this time and uh, i had to adapt um, yeah he's from the land of chocolate eating yodelers and mountains and <laughs> And cheese, yes, lots of cheese. The yes, hills I... are alive with the, the sound, sound of, music. of music. This is going to be a very, um, <laughs> a very uh, music-heavy episode, I guess, or maybe it won't be. You know, we'll, we'll maybe see. Maybe it won't be. But yeah, um, I'm actually really excited and Me very too. giddy having Guillaume here because um, we've been trying to work out, you know, having him on the show and. You know, he and I are mostly reserved <laughs> to mm. trivia and um, mini-sodes, which is okay. So when we were coming up with the itinerary for the first, we just thought, why not the two trivia dorks <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> get together and talk about the first? Um, but the two <laughs> biggest nerds and movie buffs, uh, I guess, in the whole <laughs> in, in the whole roast. Yeah, in the whole pod, but yeah. um, I'm actually okay with that. You know, I mean, I'm 30. I got, I got to use my, I got to use my nerd street cred somewhere. <laughs> it's you know, it's 2021. We can use and uh, and produce something nerdy. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, and just for context, because I'm the one who lives on the west coast, as opposed to everyone else living on the east coast, and. Will is in Switzerland. Uh, there's a nine-hour time difference between us, so That's I'm quite a lot. just literally looking at through my window the sun. Like I woke up at the butt crack of dawn, so the sun's just coming out, <laughs> and it's probably like dinner time for him. <laughs> well, we we're close to um, like the four hours, you know, when you you take a mm -hmm. little sweet things. Uh, mm -hmm. But the weather outside is quite frightful. Uh, to make another, but the music fire reference. is so delightful. Oh yes. <laughs> So delightful. Yes, yeah, we and, have uh, a very cloudy sky today. 
Yes, but um, that's not what we're here to talk about. We Absolutely could talk not. About the not seasons. about the weather. We could talk about skies. <laughs> we're here to talk about <gasps> the first. The first what, you may ask? The first Lupin the Third movie in CGI. Yes. Among other oh things. Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, among other things. But really the spectacle that um, <laughs> mm. that this is, is that this is the first um CGI film of the franchise, which is an interesting direction to take it, I feel, especially um, considering what CGI has been reserved for um, in the past decade, not even the past decade, the past 15 years. You know, I'm automatically thinking Pixar and freaking DreamWorks. And, you know, this isn't it. This is not Pixar. This is not DreamWorks. I don't even think Pixar would come this close to... <laughs> presenting something yeah. <laughs> as heavy as nazis <laughs> ah depends you know and you know um we, we will um tackle on the topics of um you know the um, media depiction of nazis and uh, uh possible key differences between you know how um japanese uh see nazis and how um, western entertainment or culture uh perceive them of course because um you know um of both nations have very different um, experiences with uh, the Third Reich, uh, but more importantly, I mean, it's also different yeah. in Europe, right? Sorry to interrupt you, but it's also no, different no. in Europe. Um, possibly, but yes, we do consider you know Nazis as the ep epitome of evil, and it's mm -hmm. very um, heavily related on the Holocaust. You know, um, the massacre of. Uh, Jewish people and homosexuals and um, and the um, Romani, basically anybody and, and everybody Romani. that the Nazis thought were inferior. Mm. Um, but yeah, we will talk. We will totally tackle that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's heavy stuff. <laughs> but we promise you as well uh, for those who are now completely scared um, that we will also, <laughs> especially because there's Nazis in the real world Nazis, now. Oh dear lord! Remember one thing first: Nazis lose. And yes. second, we will talk about uh, a lot of different things. Um, Natalie, I have to um, thank you again because your outline and your uh, topics of discussion for this uh, special episode are very interesting. And we had a lot of uh, chit-chat and uh, discussions about it um, offline. And I, yeah. I really am looking forward <laughs> to see what silly things we're going to say about <laughs> that so don't worry it won't be yeah. all heavy but we will yeah. you know it'll be zany plus be you know well. i have i have two bachelor's degrees i have one in history and one in theater and i gotta use them somehow so yeah. i gotta i gotta combine them <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what diplomas are for now it's to give some credence to podcasts yeah you hear that mommy i'm legit <laughs> she's legit leave her alone So going off of that, let's talk about the spectacle of the first, yeah. because, um, you know, see, you know, see, like I said, CGI is a very, I don't want to say it's a daring move for Lupin. However, um, 
actually, let's talk about how we watched it, um, especially yeah. because, you know, we're still in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic. And obviously, I, I live here in California, which is the third biggest state um, in America. And you live in Switzerland, which mm-hmm. doesn't even have the same population as as California. No, not sure. Um, and our countries are taking it in different directions. But like for me, watching the first, the first time I saw it, haha, was um, Drew had done a stream. He worked so hard um, uh, writing, typing out the subtitles. So I watched it with our friends in the server. Mm-hmm. And then um, Fathom Events, they did have it here in California, but California has been a little bit more strict with um, coronavirus restrictions. Like, yeah. In my county, there were no theaters open, but I did find a local theater across the bay that was playing it. However, um, I'm immunocompromised and, um, you know, my roommates thought it wasn't a good idea to to go to Redwood City just to watch a movie. And I agreed with them. Plus, I was working two jobs at the time. Yeah, that's, that's quite a handful. Yeah. So then... Um, when Amazon video had it for, um, digital, I bought it because that was the weekend of my birthday and my 30th. And, you know, I told my roommates, okay, I'm going to make your, I'm going to make you guys watch Yes, you <laughs> the need first to. with me because it's my birthday and I do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> Happy birthday again, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, um, I, I pre-ordered the steel book and then I recently to prepare for this podcast, I showed it to my ex and he really enjoyed it. So that's my experience with watching it since we don't, you know, since we ain't going outside anytime soon. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and on my side, um, theaters were closed uh, for a very long time. They are still closed now. They opened mm-hmm. very briefly um, last summer. Uh, which was part, you know, of um, unlocking uh, the country, which was um, sadly a mistake in terms of, you know, how it was handled by our Mm -hmm. own government. Uh, Nevertheless, um, there were plans of uh, distributing the movie in Europe, um, especially in France, where they had the time uh, to uh, feature it in um, a few theatres, uh, actually quite a lot, all throughout the uh, French territory. Um, France is mm-hmm. actually uh, known for having the most cinemas uh, per per capita, and uh, wow. the French, yeah, and the French are known to actually go quite often uh, in theatres, like three point four times per year. Um, so I need to get on that level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. But again, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an average, of course. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, your, your average French um, um, moviegoer will watch, you know, I guess one blockbuster, one comedy, and uh, one, you know, um, one art and essay movie, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So Eurozoom, the French uh, independent distributor. Uh, localized and distributed the movie in France and Belgium and there were plans uh, with a few friends that I know who are uh, animation, Japanimation enthusiasts uh, for the movie to be featured in Switzerland but um, we had to lock the, the country down again so it never happened 
there's um, a DVD release, I guess, that's uh, bound to happen uh, in French countries uh, sooner or later. We don't really have any uh, concrete news about that yet. And so, to my dismay, and again, please do not do as I did, <laughs> I watched it um, using, you know, illegal ways. Uh, I watched it first without subtitles. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't worry, I don't understand um, anything of Japanese, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to see if you could understand the movie, um, you know, without um, getting all the, the dialogues. And honestly, you mostly do, uh, which mm -hmm. is proof that, you know, in terms of uh, visual narration, the movie is um, it's quite strong. And then with subtitles, you know, like um, Natalie said with our friend Drew uh, contributing mm -hmm. to that. So yeah. again, please, uh, as much as you can, watch uh, your favorite things uh, legally. You know that that always <laughs> support, helps. Support the company. I mean, yes, support understandably. The yeah, always support the official official release. That's why when you know I'm, I have a massive loop on the third collection, and for a long time I had Hemingway papers. It mm -hmm. on um oh my goodness what it, on bootleg and <laughs> i'm ashamed to admit it but i had it on bootleg and then recently i i bought a legit version just to make myself feel comfortable and feel like here tms you've already you already get enough of my money year round but here's some more of it yes <laughs> yeah i'm sure they, they're, they're thankful i hope uh i don't want to get into capitalism but yeah <laughs> i'm no. pretty sure they are no, the, the episode is already heavy as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to that, um, with the limit, you know, with the limitations of, well, G Kids, who was, who is a North, mm -hmm. the North American distributor for the first and also was kind enough to bring back the OG, I call it the OG loop on the third dub, the one that mm -hmm. I grew up on. That was on. That was with Jenny on and Pine, well, Pioneer Jenny on. On to on Adult Swim, if I remember. Yes, on Adult Swim, and um, what's you know what's unique about this distribution is that they. I think what I thought was a little selfish, but this is again a product of capitalism, was that they still insisted on doing um, a theatrical release. Mm -hmm. Um, in the midst of a pandemic and this, you know, again, this is really up, up to here in, here in America, the direction with coronavirus has really been a state, you know, a state mm -hmm. affair. It's not like federally at the time with that administration, um, they weren't really doing much federally and it was up to the states. So even if I could have, I wasn't going to, and even in the back of my mind, I have deep regrets because I've never seen anything theatrical for Lupin. Not even, you know, I don't even remember where I was when, when Lassiter endorsed the Fathom events for Cagliostro and that still breaks my heart, but oh. we're not getting into that right now. So well, even though we will <laughs> speak a bit of Cagliostro um, later in the episode because of its, um, you know, thematic and stylistic links with the first. Oh yeah, totes. Yeah, totes. But um, going back to the first, so the first was actually teased when, um, Monkey Punch passed away almost mm -hmm. two years ago. Holy shit. But yeah, when Monkey Punch um, passed away, 
um, the the first was hinted like yeah. something CGI, and a lot of us fans were just like, you know, we were losing our shit. Like, what? We were perplexed. I yes, my, I was losing my shit because I was like, CGI is an interesting direction to take this. However, going into um, animation wise, this is so well done. Like, it's it's incredible. It's oh, wonderful. Man. I think um, one of the common one of the common things I heard from my roommates, whom I showed it to, my mom, whom I whom I showed it to, and of course my ex, they all the most common thing they said is that this is a better use of CGI than Pixar, and that's like a freaking especially. Oh my god, Pixar, don't kill me. I mean, I live not too far. I mean, well, forty minutes is far, but I live close to the Pixar animation studios. It's just don't, don't say me. don't say any don't say a word. <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not here to endorse Disney whatsoever, so um, um, I'm, I'm too far away. They can eat my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you know, like for me, what I've always loved about Lupin, and I guess this is because I grew up on a lot of Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. but um, Lupin is very, very cartoony, very... Very well. I I did a whole yeah, I did very, a whole presentation very, on how Lupin is camp. <laughs> very spastic, um, splastic. Yes. Uh, the the characters are extremely flexible. The mm-hmm. um, the physics are extremely close to you know classic Looney Tunes or Tex Avery cartoons. Yeah, totally. Like Lupin is very cartoony, and that's what I I think that's the reason why it's my anime love and has been for 17 years now. Again, mm-hmm. I'm 30. That tells you how long I've been a fan. But um, you know, I thought I wouldn't translate to CGI very well. But especially when if you have the Steelbook um DVD here in America by G Kids and you look at the behind the scenes and they really talk in depth as to how they were preparing this like they knew it was going to take a long time but they wanted it hand drawn first before they put the CGI and kudos to Mars animation like yeah like i i'm i'm recollecting the scene where Lupin is like trying to take um the Rasan diary from Leticia Yes, and he's just like, and he's just like back and forth, kind of like angling with her. That's a very of fluidity in animation and being cartoony without oh God, yes. breaking the physics. Because when you're, I, I guess, when you're uh, opting for CGI, you will play with volumes, you, you will play with depth, you will play with shadows in a different mm-hmm. way than in 2D. Uh, but they really managed to find the right middle ground and even not being afraid of going uh, the extra mile uh, which you know brought the uh, one of the minor criticism uh, of uh, the characters being too expressive and I don't understand that uh, criticism like how can you be too expressive I mean uh, <laughs> I mean it's first it's Lupin for God's sake yes all yes. the characters are highly expressive you know it's related. even Jigen who you can't see his freaking eyes <laughs> is pretty expressive oh dear his his beautiful luscious lips <laughs> they're superbly animated but even you know the hand gestures and and so on and uh, even the little you know the little ticks uh, at the uh, top of the cheeks sometimes that you even yeah yeah like I'm I'm remembering even Letitia having her moment 
of shine, mm-hmm. you know, using using her hands to do math in her head. Yeah. Like, you don't see that. I'm not saying you don't really see that in anime, but you don't see it that vividly. That's in very anime. true. So you see, so this is where the CGI shines. It's it's those little moments, and you know, um, one com one review I did here was like, this is the best we're going to get of a live action adaptation. And keep in mind, I've only seen the 2014 live action. You know, the one that put me to sleep. Yeah, which and is not a good example, indeed. No. The Ryuhei Kitamura 2014 yeah. movie, which was a bit of a disappointment, especially for oh, me God. because I like Kitamura as a director, and I was like, yeah. No, that was a disappointment for me because I hyped when I saw that trailer, mm-hmm. and this was during my, I I I joke that in the seven and a half years I was with my ex, I kind of carpamentalized my love for Lupin. Like I was still a fan, but I wasn't as I wasn't as obsessed as I was, you know, when I was younger. And of course, after my breakup, it's ironic how I went back to Lupin after my breakup. Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll always be my husbando. But <laughs> going back to that, um, I. I overhyped that I, you know, promoted it on my Facebook and on my Insta. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, so excited, a live action adaptation. And then suddenly I watch it. and I'm like, well, I feel fucking disappointed right now. Like, <laughs> if, if I may, if I may put a bit of water in that wine, um, mm-hmm. it's not that Lupin the Third cannot work uh, in a live action with real actors um, mm-hmm. style or, you know, way of doing things. But the Kitamura uh, movie has a problem that it's always uh, between several tones and it never finds mm-hmm. the right way to uh, for things to gel. While uh, even though it's superbly silly, uh, the 1974 yeah. movie, I think it's the first live action movie. Um, uh, yes, that first. would be um, Strange Psych- Psychonetic Energy for psychokinetic those who are not aware. Strategy. Yeah. Oh, Psychokinetic Strategy, sorry. Yeah, it's a, it's I a, haven't seen it, so. I have I have seen it. It's uh, it's silly. It's a bit, um, of course, it has aged a bit, but honestly, mm-hmm. it's a really good time, and uh, it, it's a good interpretation of uh, the Lupin character, which um, which is quite different from what we've seen so far, but... Mm-hmm. I think it and work and one of my favorite um, fan films uh, of Lupin the Third is Bassette, uh, an Italian short film. Uh, again, it works really well, but it's a bit of a meta fan film. But that's not the topic at hand. Yeah. But yeah. No, but um, I think for me in that regard, mm-hmm. and this is this is probably. This is my my the- Natalie. Your theater degree is showing where, so um everywhere. The pro- <laughs> the problem that the 2014 film had that I feel was corrected with the CGI film mm-hmm. is that so we have this thing called um the medium. Well, there's a theory called the medium is the message. Absolutely, and it's and it's basically you know it's how you tell a story. Like let, let's look at Les Misérables by victor hugo you have the book you have the pbs 10 episode masterclass series you have the bubbly and 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 schoenberg musical which i love by the way i know and then you have uh, yes me being obsessed with musicals and then unfortunately you have the um the movie based off the musical which didn't translate to film very well and the thing about Lupin the Third, it's very cartoony, it's very campy, it's very zany, it defies physics, and it just doesn't translate to, to live action very well. I mean, obviously the Takarazaka review is a little bit different because mm-hmm. that's a musical. And again, musicals allow themselves to really have this 
break, you know, the, the fourth wall break and break between, you know. Which suits Lupin very well. Yeah, which which suits Lupin very well. Like when I go to a theater and see a musical, I know, like in the back of my head, I know I'm in a theater watching actors perform. But, you know, that slips away as I'm watching the show and I'm seeing it, you know. I'm seeing the actors pantomime. I'm seeing the actors sing and dance and perform, or even with a play, which fits with the Takarazaka review. In film, it did not translate very well, and they tried and they failed, <laughs> which is why what I enjoy about this going back to the first uh-huh. is that it's really the closest thing we're going to get to a live action film done well because the CGI makes it feel realistic. Like, mm-hmm. To, to the way that Jigen's animated, and by the way, Jigen was always hot, you plebs. <laughs> she had to insert that into the episode. I didn't stop her. I'm very sorry for all our listeners, but it's true. Jigen is hot, always has been. Yeah, Jigen, Jigen was always hot, and also, you know, the expressions and Lup- Lupin has facial hair. Like, oh my god, I didn't, you know, I didn't think I could love Lupin even more but um yeah mm. yeah we are a very hair positive um duo here <laughs> no but yeah going back on the cgi uh again i think we wouldn't be able to have a better version if we want to go the very uh, adventure blockbuster route yeah uh, with lupin and uh, i think yeah that cgi was a good direction <laughs> the logical direction and mm-hmm. We we talked about you know um, uh, again offline uh, with the connection with uh, Tintin movie by Spielberg. Ah yes, and their um, similarities. Spielberg and Peter Jackson, I believe. Yes, directed by Spielberg, produced by both of them, and Jackson ah, okay. was meant to direct the sequel, but sadly it didn't. Um, yeah, it, it didn't succeed at the uh, domestic box office, so that's why uh. you're not seeing any uh, Tintin sequel. Uh, announcement yet but what I want to say is that at first I was not completely uh, I was not agreeing with Natalie about the similarities at first but then mm-hmm. I rewatched it you know for the for this episode I watched it both uh, in the original Japanese and dubbed and mm-hmm. I realized something Yes, it's a different way of animating than for Tintin, where they use mocap, you know, motion capture, where they want mm-hmm. to have the uh, performance of um, real actors, uh, yeah. and it's slightly, slightly more um, photorealistic, and it's a bit more gimmicky in a way. Like you have mm-hmm. a lot of transitions that are uh, very well done in the Tintin movie, but are very gimmicky. You know, they use the 3D a bit, you know, the CGI uh, to its um, most abstract potential. While when I watched the Lupin the Third, the first movie, uh, that's mm-hmm. a handful of a title. Um, <laughs> oh, God, yes. Try saying it, that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> the first one. And um, <laughs> I realized it's um, the camera shot, even though it's a completely, you know, imaginary camera. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the camera work, the angles, the transitions and so on are very close to um, a live action movie. There's not a lot yeah. of uh, um, a lot of um, sequences where you feel like it couldn't work outside of CGI. There are a few of them, of course, especially mm-hmm. in, the, in the last uh, third of the movie. 
uh, in the last third of Lupin the Third, the first <laughs> was. Uh, Let's just call it the CGI film if it's too much of a yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> if it's too much of a mouthful. Um, we will. The Nazis I just lose my coffee, movie. and I don't. Yeah, the Nazis lose movie. I, I I just finished my coffee, and I'm in no mood to get some more. So yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> too much coffee is bad for you, listeners. Do remember. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is um, there is a similarity, and I realized that just yesterday between the Tintin movie and the CGI film, it's the mm-hmm. use of color and light, especially the uh, the Paris um, scenes, you know, the, mm-hmm. the ones from the, um, the, the, the very first scenes in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. and the way uh, texture, especially metal, uh, reacts to light, uh, the, mm-hmm. the the impacts you know on on matter as well. Those are sounds like you know very nerdy details to you know focus on, but yeah, you it's could, wonderful. You, thank you. You could you could feel that uh, they uh, you know uh, Mazda they watched uh, or at least they were aware of the Tintin movie uh, in mm-hmm. that approach of lighting. And, and matter and texture but yeah, yeah it's a, it's a um, very different film from the Tintin one uh, yeah, apart from I mean, it's very adventurous well yeah well for me the reason why I thought of Tintin was because like um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like I don't mean to sound like an ignorant American I'm just kidding but like um, please do <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, hey I can make all the stupid American jokes that I can watch yes it. you're allowed <laughs> I'm allowed so for Tintin like for me I didn't really get into Tintin until I dated my ex and um, um, you know Tintin is not as popular like Lupin and Tintin because they're foreign they're not very popular here in the States depending on who you're talking to mm-hmm. and um, you know the Tintin movie was very much hyped over, you know, deviating from Heraj's style to translating it to CGI. And this was, this was 11 years ago. Yeah. So, um, 11, 10 years ago. God, so I feel old. Yes, me too. But CGI has come a long way. Like mm-hmm. even, even going back to Pixar, like my favorite Pixar film is Coco. I, I'm Mexican. I yeah, have to say that. Uh, and, um, when I was watching Coco with my mom, um, she, you know, we, I grew up on Pixar. My first Pixar movie was like everybody toy story and my mom (laughs) and my mom. So there's a scene in Coco, um, full disclaimer, Will hasn't seen Coco. So, so there's a scene in Coco where, um, Miguel is watching his idol Ernesto de la Cruz on TV and he's playing the guitar and there's a scene in Coco where it focuses on Miguel copying those guitar movements that he sees on television. Mm-hmm. And I, pl- I play guitar on the side. So the way Miguel is animated, he's legit hitting the correct notes. It's the right movement. And wow. I remember specifically my mom, when we were watching that scene, my mom's like, man, compared to the first Pixar movie where they couldn't really animate um humans very well to this that tells you how far this technology has gone and now circling back to lupon you know again it's the little ticks the you know um the fluidity of movement and in the setting oh my god the setting now also with animation keep in mind that um the voice acting was pre-recorded so the animators basically went off the lip movement in original japanese which I agree does not translate very well for a dub. It kind of did feel at times where 
where it felt like watching a badly dubbed <laughs> Bollywood film. That's kind of true. I, I have to admit, when I saw the dub, uh, apart from the performances, which uh, most of them were good, maybe mm -hmm. a, apart from that one police agent at the beginning who says, you are also a thief. A thief. Yeah, that one uh, irritated uh, me. I'm like, for what? I mean, I, I don't want to pry, but I can do better. So uh you you could and I I would bet my I would bet my money on it and I'm cheap. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, the 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 major issue, well, it's a minor issue overall, but the the main problem was uh, the lip syncing, especially since in this movie again they are very expressive. So you yeah. you do see the uh the um you know the way lips uh, actually um plays themselves when you want to make a sound, a precise sound. A vowel or consonant. Uh, yeah. And it's, and also going back off of that, you know, um, I don't know who did the script. I think for the English dub, I think it was Richard Epcar. And, yeah, and it was. this is no, this is no diss on you, um, Mr. Epcar, but um, <laughs> Listen. no, it's not. It's just that there were times where it felt like he was doing a direct translation from the Japanese that just right. didn't translate very well into English. And, um, you know, it's a choice. <laughs> I think. Um, um, sorry to interrupt, but I no, think okay. it might be a similar case with uh, part four. You know, when they mm -hmm. made the dub, which was uh, considered to be um, kind of run of the mill, in spite of the great cast again, the OG cast. Yeah. Um, because it was very literal. It was a, a very yeah. literal transcript. And Richard Epcar, if I remember. Uh, he may, uh, you know, he may tell me <laughs> if uh, if I'm wrong, but he said they had little time for, you know, adaptation to uh, yeah. localize it um, to, you know, to fit, you know, you have to adapt, you know, uh, to, to yeah, you to have to do the best that you can in that translate is to betray, as they say in Italy, and um, I don't remember the <laughs> the original phrase, but that's that's a kind no. of a proverb, and. Um, mm -hmm. I guess they didn't have enough time for the first as well in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, preparation. Uh, and then there was also the pandemic. Yeah, that, that doesn't help at all. So I, mm -hmm. I won't, you know, I, it's not that big of an issue and it's completely forgivable. But yeah, it yeah. was kind of funny to see that uh, yeah. kind like, of uh, contrast. Um, yeah, when I, when I watched it with Marie and Robbie... Um, my roommates, um, Robbie did point out, oh, the lip flap just doesn't match very well. I'm like, and that's when I pointed out, yeah, it's like whenever I watch a Bollywood film translated and, you know, dubbed over in English and I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, I, I came here for <laughs> sub. I'm very much sub versus dub with my Bollywood films. Like, sub, <laughs> you know, sub wins. <laughs> Cause I grew, I, I grew up in an area that was predominantly, um, you know, that predominantly had an Indian population. So. Oh, that's why. Uh, yeah. Not, okay. So non-secular. <laughs> All right. So. Um, Wait, would you one, like to talk uh, about, um, because we talked about uh, a lot about presentation. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, the other side of the uh, movie coin is the story. Um, that's what I was just about to get into. Wonderful. Um, you know, you know, oh my God, we're like in sync. <laughs> that's totally incredible. Yeah, the band, not the not literally being in sync. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so one of the most common complaints that I hear from anime fans and from the Lupin fandom, mm -hmm. please don't kill me again. I, you I have the right to your opinions, goddammit. 
<laughs> I, I can already I can already feel the hatred and yes, and, you know the it, flame war starting it on fills my Twitter us with so much power, absolute <laughs> power. Uh, one of the most common complaints I am hearing is that um, the plot is it, it is very bland. It's disinteresting. It's you know, it, it's not that great. And I'm like, it's a Lupin film. Come on, just like, Come on. just like, I kind of want to purse your lips together and be like, shh, let us enjoy the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I totally agree. And I think that's why we took a lot of time. Uh, speaking of presentation. Because, mm -hmm. yes, we will, I think we both agree that the story, it, while not bland, the plot is very basic. The plot it's very, is very basic. It's very classic uh, adventure. It's close to Indiana Jones. Again, there's also some... Basically, it's Tintin. Lupin meets Indiana Jones. That's yeah. what my ex called it. And I'm going to and I'm gonna use that. Like, Nick, if you're listening to this, I'm stealing a lot from you. <laughs> <laughs> and we love doing that, Nick. Beware. <laughs> but, what I, but I realized that in terms of um, content, in terms of plot, in terms of um, even a few... Uh, uh, key events. There's a lot of in common with um, some TV specials, even yeah. the, the most um, basic, even mediocre TV special, specials like um, The Last Job, where they, yeah. there was also a story about an ancient uh, artifact which was which is way too advanced uh, and is uh, a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, sorry for the spoilers, but technically. <laughs> I guess we're going to spoil a bit of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, we've already we've already like kind of spoiled some other stuff. So go that's ahead. That's true. That's very true. Thank you. I'm relieved. <laughs> uh, there's a bit also of uh, Eternal Mermaid. There's uh, of yeah. course since they're Nazis. There's a bit of the treasure of Harry Marrow. Uh, I don't remember if I Harry Mal. Harry Mal. Harry Mal. <laughs> We're going to spend 14 seconds on that. No, I'm joking. Um, what I'm saying is that, yes, uh, we did see a few of his things before, especially in the mm -hmm. Lupin franchise, but never in that scope. Never in CGI, yeah. of course. Never with that level of care. And never with that much um, implication, emotional implication. I was actually emotionally involved, even though uh, you don't, fear too much for Lupin and his friends they're not mm -hmm. they're always saved in the nick of time uh mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of um you don't feel a lot of uh um gripping stakes still the, the last fight was quite you know intense um yeah but the characters you know the uh characters um of Leticia and especially the the villains and the the relationship between Leticia Lupin and the villains is much more explored, much more complex than what we used to have in the TV specials. Yeah. yeah, for the amount of time, again, I don't, I could go to my cabinet right now and see how long the movie is, or I could Google it, but there's only so much you can do in the amount of time you have to yeah. present a film. And like I said, the common criticism is that it, the story is disinteresting. It's bland. The, the secondary characters, they're focused. Uh, there's too much focus on them. And then the focus on them is that, you know, like Letitia is very bland and not, and disinteresting. Who said and that? To, 
you'd be surprised but oh um, my god did we watch the same movie <laughs> yeah like like i'm sitting here like am i am i missing something did we watch the same film the, this is fine this is fine but if it, <laughs> if it didn't you know if it didn't live the dark times of the mid to late 2000 tv specials you know yeah now going back to that here's the thing i acknowledge as a as a longtime hardcore lupon fan i acknowledge mm. that whether it's an episode, a special, an OVA, whatever, the plots can go one of two ways. It could either go very convoluted and very in-depth and very much like, what the, f- what the fuck? Like Alcatraz Connection comes to mind. The yeah, whole, that's like, true. You know, um, which I have a lot of gripes about being a native from the Bay Area, but uh, <laughs> and an American. For now, you, you will have you will have your chance. I'll have my moment. Just you wait. have your Just moment. wait. I'm coming for you. Oh dear. <laughs> um basically that's a very convoluted plot you know lupon finds out this mystery of alcatraz just because he wants to you know just because he's simping over some college girl and it's just like that's that's very convoluted lupon you're the prime example of a simp and then there's something simple there's something very simple as say like oh like voyage to danger um orders to assassinate lupon where it's very much like Okay, Lupin has a mark out for him, um, but he's going to help Zenigata with another case. Why not infiltrate an arms, an arms dealer? And you know, there's a, there's a G inside plots, whatever. But again, I understand that for us Lupin fans, it's not that. Ex- I guess it's not that exciting. However, I will point out there might be a reason for that, and that's because it's very much a spectacle versus story. Um, hmm deal and it's and think about it this is the first loop this is the first loop on film in the franchise to be cgi um they're very much marketing the spectacle which is the the cgi and for that if you're going to invest obviously if you're going to invest in one thing you're not going to invest in the other um unless you're james cameron (laughs) (laughs) but you know, when I think of spectacle versus story, like I'm kind of piggybacking off Lindsay Ellis, but I do have my own experience. Like when mm-hmm. I think of spectacle versus story, I think of something like Phantom of the Opera. And I did see a college production, community college production of Phantom of the Opera, where the set design was incredible for a community college. Like it was very well done. But I, but why is it that I I cared more about the setting than I did about the main story, the main characters? That's like, saying something. Yeah, with something as dramatic as Phantom of the Opera, like the Christine was amazing, but the Phantom, who's like the main, you know, like yeah, us fangirls, we're really. us fangirls, we're there for the for the incel that lives in the basement. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't resonate with it. I just remember leaving, and I've seen it twice. I just remember leaving, like, Mom, the Phantom was lacking, and I'm questioning all aspects of my relationship right now. <laughs> to go back on topic, um, mm-hmm. it's true that it is uh, mostly for spectacle, and there is there are e- economic reasons, there are marketing reasons for that, and it mm-hmm. helped especially. I think Lupin the Third has never been so internationally known nowadays. That's a, that's that's true. The internet has really changed that. Yep. Yep, and uh, there were you know either attempts or actual. Um, international releases of um, that movie, of the CGI film. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are plans to release them in DVDs in, in several countries. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's it's a good gateway. However, it's true that the story is quite simple and you're not going to mm -hmm. stay for the story, but it's still an engaging one. And I think it is. it's really um, thanks. You know, when they say uh, for a good story, especially of uh, good versus evil, um, which is basically a, a bit of that story as well, you need a good villain. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a very great, um, like, dynamic duo of evil in this movie with uh, Professor Lambert and uh, Geralt, uh, who. To me, and I will go on with a bit of, uh, you know, uh, villain psychology, so I will try to mm -hmm. make it short. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, they both represent, to me, two sides of, um, uh, I won't dare talking about toxic masculinity, but they do uh, <laughs> show two sides of the most destructive impulses in uh, humans, and especially of, in men of power. Like yes. Geralt is uh, obviously he's the uh, the um, you know the um, how how could I say that uh, he com is completely engulfed in his uh, Third Reich dream. Uh, he mm -hmm. wants to pursue that uh, illusion of finding Hitler alive. And he's very much, you know, into that kind he's of... He's the ultimate fanboy. He's, he's a fanboy. He's a, he's a freaking fanboy. He's a freaking proud boy, uh, just mm -hmm. with better clothes. And um, <laughs> Yes, agreed. <laughs> so he shows the ills of fanaticism. You know, yes. of unreasoned, untamed fanaticism. While Lambert mm -hmm. is much uh, more selfish, is uh, about, you know, uh, wooden pride, is about uh, wanting to be respected, to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He's competing with uh, the the um, overlooking ghost of uh, the archaeologist Bresson, and he's using and abusing uh, Letitia's. Uh, prowess and uh, natural talent he's uh, taking advantage of uh, her own thesis uh, he is pretty much you know uh, that kind of scientist who would steal his um, female assistant's uh, research and uh, make it look as it as his own um, yeah his, his yeah. self his selfish goal, his selfish goals, especially him joining the joining the Nazis, is very you know he acknowledges at the end. I don't care about your fucked yeah. up ideology, like it's very much a means to his own end. Like, that's my two cents on it. That's very true, and uh, at the same time, he um, he has moments of humanity, and it doesn't. One where right. yeah, one or twice, uh, it doesn't redeem uh, him at all, uh, especially not uh, in regard to um, to the viewer. So don't worry, mm -hmm. he's still you know a bonafide <clears throat> villain. But it's again, it's very interesting because we didn't have that many um, human villains that way. And I well, was kind of yeah, engaged. a little bit more in depth villains. Yeah, like you you got one sided. Well, not necessarily one sided. But you got villains like like Mamo, who yeah, Mamo are... is an exception, you know. Yeah, Mamo's an exception. Um, but you know, I can't think of any other villains where they were just very disinteresting. <laughs> there was right that, off of the top. That, that one guy from um, uh, Return the Treasure, I guess, who kind of had an understanding. Oh, the guy that role. looked like McCree. Yeah, the one in the white <laughs> suit. Yes. And, uh, the... 
I can't believe I had. I thought he was cute, and he <laughs> was. He was. He was the the cute villain with a love story, <laughs> and um, yes, yes. And but yeah, it's um, very rare for Lupin to 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 be facing uh, that kind of um, that kind of villain. And yeah, um, I mean, I like. I'm going through my head. What other villains did I not like or did like throughout <laughs> the franchise? But does it really matter at this point? Um, in terms of the Lupin girl, Bond girl of oh, the yeah. week, Letitia, um, you know, she's animated beautifully. Yeah. Let's let's get that out. She's very endearing. Yeah. But also, um, you know, a lot of people are just like, I don't like her. I don't like her as the girl of the week. She's just very bleh. And I'm just like, okay, if there's one thing I will say story-wise that Letitia, this bitch, <laughs> like, she has a – like. I'm sorry, like, this is me going all crazy, but mm-hmm. <laughs> she, her story very much is, you know, it's, it's, it's well thought out there, with her story. There's very much a want versus need aspect to it. Absolutely. Like, you know, she really wants, you know, she really wants to prove her, prove herself, not just to Lambert because of the abusive relationship, but to herself. Mm-hmm. She wants to prove to herself that she is a, a smart archaeologist. She has this dream of wanting to go to Boston University and, um, you know, study and being like Brasson, whom she doesn't realize until like, you know, the the second, like the two third of the movie that yeah. she's actually related to him. And, you know. Lupin helps her with that, which I think is really sweet. It makes her almost akin to Clarice, Absolutely. but with a little bit more flair. And there is, there's also a want versus need. It's very minimal with Lupin. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm working on a, I, I have been so busy, but I'm working on a, on a in-depth Arsene Lupin minisode, um, you know, the, the titular Maurice LeBlanc character. Mm-hmm. And um, for me as a fan, especially having read Maurice LeBlanc being discovered by, um, I discovered it after I started watching Lupin. Um, whenever there's moments where Lupin mentions his grandfather yep. and whether or not outdoing him or stealing the one thing that he couldn't, like in Dragon of Doom, um, I get all giddy. I love, <laughs> I love when that reference goes in. And then for him, you know, realizing that his grandfather worked with Brisson to secure and hide this treasure. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm already invested in the story now. Same, <laughs> same. And I think it's one of the uh, many meanings of the first uh, in the title. Of course, you know, the, the first meaning that comes into mind, it's it's because it's the first movie in CGI, but it's also mm-hmm. uh, being uh, the first to find the treasure, of course. But it's also, you know, Lupin the first. And... Um, the references... There's many meanings behind that title. <laughs> yeah, a lot of meaning. Um, and the references with um, the original Arsène Lupin are getting mm-hmm. um, uh, more and more numerous uh, throughout the franchise nowadays, I think, thanks to the um, the, to the uh, LeBlanc estate being now in public domain. And yeah, it mm-hmm. helps uh, being engaged, you know, movie-wise uh, with uh, a personal character arc for Lupin because sometimes, especially... Mm-hmm. In regard to the fille du jour, the Lupin girl, um, very often their relation is um, their relationship is very um, 
uh, on the surface, it's uh, not that well explored. Just kind of a fling, mm-hmm. and Lupin then goes away like a, like a, like a lone cowboy. And <laughs> now he has a personal goal. He has a personal emotional investment, which meets yes. and completes uh, Letitia's own uh, character arc. And yeah. again, that's very rare, and that's pretty engaging. And there's it the, is yeah, there's this idea. To me, and it happened in Cagliostro, it happened with uh, Lupin the Third Part 5. Also, Lupin enables people to free themselves from the shackles of um, something that oppresses them and find their true calling. Uh, But at the end, he will go away because he himself Mm -hmm. would be another chain and you know, living the Lupin life is not a very um, respectful or restful life. So he yeah, can it's not only a domestic life. Yeah, he can only free you and um, you know give you a bit of you know a bit of a starting push, uh, and then you you're free to do what you want. And it's also yeah, he's is enabling agency. Yeah, and um, this is my own personal my own personal shtick with it. Like I love Lupin the third for that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, like for me, I got, I got into Lupin with part two because of the zaniness and the cartooniness. And it was like, Oh, Carmen San Diego, Scooby-Doo, James (laughs) Bond, let's watch it. (laughs) But, um, you know, when I watched Cagliostro, um, and it was that moment where like he helps Clarice out and Clarice wants to go with him, but you know, he tells her, this is not a life for you. You you have your own life. You're free now. Go live it. Like, Oh my God. And then he stole your heart. He did. He literally, he literally did. And you know, whenever I see that trope replayed, like I don't like, I don't like the first Lupin versus detective Conan film. I like the second one. (laughs) <laughs> and this is coming from a detective conan fan both so, so you know i'm dead serious that. when i say that yes <laughs> um but i did like i won't lie what i did like in terms of the plot mm-hmm. of that with the first one was we had a little bit of a lupon mama mama lupon caliostro yes totally me. we had a lupon caliostro moment with um with uh, the queen of that made-up country that i can't even think of her freaking name right now i can't I can flip think and of- remember I remember the daughter's name because the daughter was like, I'm going to name you as a reference to Japan and my love for Japan, Sakura. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's not that's not subtle at all. <laughs> and she was a Muriran lookalike, I remember. Yeah, it was very much a uh, Olsen twins um, movie scenario. But, oh, my God, um, mental image. <laughs> <laughs> but, going, but, you know, going back on top of that, in terms mm-hmm. of the simplicity of the story, yeah. the re- another reason why I'm okay with this, and hear me out, you did mention that this is the first time Lupin is being really launched internationally. Cagliostro yeah. doesn't count. Like Lassiter and his love for Cagliostro and uh, oh my God, it, it you know, um, it's how I swooned my now wife. Like, no, no, no. Cagliostro was never intended for an international audience. You just had, you just had the sheer luck yeah. of watching it at a film festival. Lassiter, calm your, calm your tits, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's true that Cagliostro is uh, more widely known, but that's mostly because of the of the Miyazaki name, and uh, yeah, that's be- because of Miyazaki's yeah. attachment to it. Also, Ma- well, aside from that, also Mamo is also one of those Lupin films that are pretty big. Mm-hmm. Like they, they had a French release in the eighties, actually. 
Really? Uh, yeah, the, the Mamo movie. And uh, more recently, like 2018 or 2019, they had uh, a, uh, a, a re-release of uh, the Mamo ah. film distributed by uh, Eurozoom again. So the mm-hmm. Mamo movie uh, does have a bit of an inter- international um, you know, um, scope, but it's still pretty, mm-hmm. you know, confidential, you know. Uh, yeah. But, not you know, crowdy. keep in mind, the last, yeah, the last theatrical film, not including the Koike films or mm. the Lupin versus Detective Conan was Dead or Alive. Ugh. And, I um, like Dead or Alive. I know, I know it's a bit bland, but I like it. it it's sad that I it was the last for such a long time. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with that film, and I'm not going to get into that. But <laughs> I will say, uh, going on dripping wet was yeah. Oh, I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> easy, girl. Easy. <laughs> Calm down, Natalie. Calm it's, down. It's, it's seven thirty in the morning, girl. <laughs> Goemo was um, pretty fun in the first. Honestly, the the whole oh Ryuse segment. My, my baby. Uh, I will come back from you, sunset skin. This is oh only. It's only goodbye. Going on. Going on his baby, and that moment I was just like, I want to hug you. Like, you, sweetie, you need a hug and and a good ass meal. Like, get your butt over here. (laughs) Come here, come here, you. But yeah, the, yeah, continue. But just real quick, story wise, it's simple because honestly, especially with how much international push there is for this film. Mm-hmm. If you're going to introduce someone to Lupin, honestly, show them the first. Yeah. Especially because unlike Cagliostro, which is very childish and toned down, the first, I feel, really does capture, not to an ex- not fully, but it does capture the essence of Lupin. Absolutely. It really does. So... You, you hear that, my cousins who always are like stalking my Instagram and wondering, what, what is she talking about Lupin the Third? I'm going to make you guys watch the first watch. Like <laughs> this, this episode is about family issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite YouTubers, his name is Swoozie. Um, he, he really loves anime. He's obsessed with anime. He, he does a lot of anime references in his videos. I follow him on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And he was re- like, I don't know what he's doing during the pandemic. It's none of my business. But he lives in Los Angeles and or in between Los Angeles and Florida. But he was so hyped seeing Lupin the Third, the first in theaters. He saw it, um, not to sound like a stalker, but he saw it subtitled when he went to go see it and he was so excited but i could tell he wasn't a lupin the third fan because he called it lupin (laughs) not lupin but he really did enjoy he was like it's very james bondy and very actiony like oh my god how have i slept on this anime for so long (laughs) and i'm thinking in my head yeah how did you (laughs) How, how dare you know no really you're right in that i think the first especially for you know um, younger generations, you know, CGI mm-hmm. is much more, you know, um, uh, on the front scene as well. So uh, it's also a marketing decision that makes sense. So that was made beautifully as well. So you see that mm-hmm. uh, the two are not incompatible in terms mm-hmm. of uh, in terms of quality and um, work ethics. Yeah, and I I blame yeah. this generation that grew up on Shrek, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, we are we are that kind of doom generation that makes cynical <laughs> memes that make no sense. I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone. Don't worry. Mm, speak for myself. <laughs> but yeah, the, the first is truly a, a good gateway because uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't have too much of the uh, asperity or um, subversive content that some of the Lupin productions can have, which I like mm-hmm. that side of Lupin, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. And at the same yeah, time, like, as you said, as you said, it's not as yeah. whimsical as Cagliostro and mm-hmm. it's uh, much more dynamic, which reminds me of a thing that I forgot to uh, bring no, go ahead. about uh, when we talked about <laughs> comparing <laughs> Natalie's encouraging me. Uh, that, yes. Thank you for the support. Thank you. Uh, when we <laughs> talked about uh, comparing it to uh, Tintin, it's also a question of rhythm. This yes. movie never stops uh, or very, um, you know, for very brief moments of character interaction and it works. It's uh, mm-hmm. not a movie that needed breaks. It's not yes. an animation that needed breaks. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, that's the thing that uh, closely resembles Tintin's kind of uh, rhythm. If you read a Tintin yeah. album and... Again, I advise you to do so. I think they are published in English as well. Uh, It's very, very energetic. And the characters always run. The story never stops. Uh, There's a lot of gags, of course. Uh, So sometimes it can be a bit tiresome. You see, you you, you never catch a break. But that's also a thing that I think is a bit akin to Tintin. And the other thing I just realized yesterday... Uh, the locations, the, the sets are great, obviously, from France to uh, South America. But like maybe half of the time, the movie is taking place in moving locations. Yeah, that's something I really just realized. Like uh, they're on the, um, the floating boat, uh, you know, the the boat plane, uh, uh, which is the um, Nazis' main vehicle. Then the ICPO plane, and um, twice they are, you know, um, walking on uh, sea platforms, you know, mm-hmm. which are which are you know uh, very special locations. And it works with that rhythm. It works with that energy that never stops. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think it's also quite original. You know, um, lots of the interiors are at the same time locations, but those locations also move. Yeah. Also, location-wise, um, I love the detail to the location, and also, uh, uh, but you know, going piggyback, piggybacking off of that. Yeah. Um, you know, this is. A Lupin story mm-hmm. that is actually pinpointed to its time. Like, yeah. okay, Lupin the Third, we know, was conceived in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, I'm going from the manga to the yeah, pilot film 67. and also to, to, the, to part one, um, which, which does matter. And also part two, which also does go with its, you know, I mean, every aspect of Lupin does show off the time that it was made, but doesn't doesn't cohesively say what year it is story-wise. True, it's very um, uh, um, nondescript. Yes. Now, (laughs) you can tell, honestly, that this is the 60s. -hmm. It's set during the 60s without outright saying it's in the 60s. And I love it. Now, I say that because, you know, actress Jamie Lee Curtis kind of ruined period films for me, but... (laughs) But, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. So she started a movie that I really love. It's another one of those, Natalie, why are you, why are you obsessed with death movies? She is. My girl. 
I am. Harold and Maude's my favorite movie. Shut up. <laughs> but um, my girl, it's it's the theme of my girl is this girl who's obsessed with death. <laughs> it's basically my story. But um, Jamie Lee Curtis spoke how the director in that film worked in advertising. Mm-hmm. And in that film, you don't know it's 1972 until you see a um, political poster for Richard Nixon. And that's when you know, oh, it's a 19, it's set in 1972. But also what Jamie Lee Curtis said, that one thing I, because of that, one thing I don't like about period pieces is that when they outright tell you, you know, with so many references. Yeah. But they want to convince you. Yeah. That it's, it's set in that timeline. It's kind of jarring. And compare my girl to Captain Marvel, which you know, it's it's like if the 90s slaps you in the face because Blockbuster, Grunge, Nine Inch Nails, TLC, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, we get it. It's done in the 90s. Yeah, so it's, like, it's like, very artificial, you know, because a, yeah. a decade is not defined by all those brands and uh, landmarks. And and then it makes you and then it loses focus from the story. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how should I put this with the first it's not putting your face that it's set in the sixties. And I love that you, you, especially, you know, when you get, when you get to France as a setting, like I yeah. kind of joked with the whole sixties thing. I'm all like, okay, I'm not listening to any Serge Gansberg. I don't see a poster <laughs> for a Brigitte Bardot film. Like I'm actually okay with that, but. <laughs> but again, you're right because it would date the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It would make it less, um, you know, approachable, you know, for, for new audiences. And in a way, Lupin the Third always worked in its own version of our times, in his own version of the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s with uh, part mm-hmm. three. And that's how it works the best because Lupin should be the only recognizable brand in his world yes. in a way. Yes. And, oh, my God, that's what I'm enjoying. That's what I enjoy about it. And it's just, you know, um, I mean, even advertised or if you go on the Wikipedia for the movie, it's like set during the Showa period, which is clearly, you know, the 60s. Yeah, but absolutely. I love how it's not like outright telling you it's the 60s. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but to conclude story. It's simple, but it works for a first-time audience. So honestly, if you if you're obsessed with Lupin as much as we are, and you and you're trying to get more people into that um, into that little sphere, show them this. And you know, like I said, um, my roommates liked it. My mom liked it, and That's I've always fussed her. Yeah, I always fussed her. She's always watched a lot of Lupin adaptations with me, but she still always asks questions like, who's this? Who's that? Who's that? It's like watching Game of Thrones with her. I'm like, mommy, <laughs> watch the movie. I don't want to talk right now. No. <laughs> but to, to bounce off of what you, you just said, I mm-hmm. fully agree and I fully endorse the first as a, a gateway to the Lupin franchise because... It is a long franchise. We are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the animation this year, you know, since uh, the um, the first uh, TV series in 1971 and the manga uh, dates back from 1967. It's as old as the original Star Trek. And mm-hmm. uh, again, it's um, approachable. It's... Um, uh, looking wonderfully, you know, the execution is wonderful. Uh, it's palatable. It's palatable. That's another thing. And it says um, everything because... you need to know about the, the characters. Yeah, and here's the thing, you know, another thing. Lupin originally was just very, it was an adult series 
made for adults. Like Absolutely. there was no intention for children to watch this. Even the director and the behind the scenes on the DVD, the director talks about his experience with Lupin. And he's like, oh, so I'm this simple country boy and I go to visit my family in the city and I'm watching a green jacket episode. And there's a scene where Fuchiko is taking a shower and she's naked. And I felt scandalous because I felt like I was watching something I wasn't supposed to be watching. It's <laughs> just how I felt, honestly, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um this is palatable for a first time audience in the sense in the sense that the characters are toned well it's still actiony and it's still you know very um i want to say this is more of a pg not pg 13 mm-hmm. um you know like fujiko is not sexualized at all which i'm thankful for i mean there's still she still has that sense and sexuality. Yeah, it's just sensual, but you don't yeah. see any kind of nudity, and you uh, don't see her naked. Um, there's no I, sex scene or attempt at sex scene. Yeah, I mean her boobs do shake when she's shooting that um, automatic <laughs> rifle, but it's physics, guys. It's like, just, and again, it's not as bad as the recent uh, Final Fantasy VII remake with Tifa. Yeah, you know? it's not. It's not three D, three D double D. Am I right? <laughs> A new dimension in cleavage. <laughs> and also Lupin, you know, you know, Lupin does have his moments, even when he's toned down of this lecherous, like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, like, yes. let me just, uh, let me just get that out of you, baby. But he only has that once with Letitia and it's not even, it's not even that bad. No, it's like, actually, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's, but it's like, not, it's like with Eternal Mermaid when he wants to scare off the uh, the little girl who wants to become uh, his apprentice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way to dissuade and in a way to test uh, the, the the Lupin girl's um, resolve mm-hmm. uh, and reminding us that, yeah, Lupin can be dangerous, but he chooses yeah. not to or whether uh, who to be dangerous with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, oh my goodness, you know, I will make another joke about fu- how Fujiko looks because um, I have to I have to give a shout out to my friend Katie, mm-hmm. who's also in our Lupin server, and um, so when we were when the first was still in production and they were showing off like pictures and whatnot, yeah. this was when she was visiting me pre-COVID back in 2019. We were waiting. We were in San Francisco getting ready for the ferry to go to Alcatraz. And I was looking at everything. I was looking at the trailer. I'm like, oh my God, this this looks really cool. I'm I'm really hyped. She takes my phone. She's like, why, why does Fujiko look like Marie Osmond? And I freaking lost my shit. So for those who don't know, um, the Osmonds were kind of like a Partridge Family uh, 70s band that was kind of like very cheesy and schmaltzy. And they had a sister, they have a sister, Marie. Mm-hmm. And Katie actually had to go online and look up like a Marie Osmond photo. I'll post it on the Twitter, but holy shit. That's a, that's a direction. But other than that, um, oh God, there's no more I can say story-wise. Oh, how about we get to the more controversial part, quote unquote, of the story. And that's... Is there um, anything controversial in the first? That's... Um, that's I'm being the devil's advocate. No, and that's fine. Um, I say this because um, this is me as a history nerd and also as a um, as a cinemaphile. But um, yeah, Nazis, Nazis. <laughs> but don't worry. Again, they lose, and they but, lose. But we are going to bring this up. To me, there's not 
Um, what's interesting is that um, Lupin the Third has a history with Nazis, Nazism, mm -hmm. or um, uh, Hitler uh, links. You know uh, the pilot film. Yeah, yeah, whether the, it's stealing his car because oh he had it, <laughs> and his favorite gun, for example, and and so on. The um, Walter P thirty eight, yeah, yeah, the Walter P thirty eight. But it's like punks, um, you know, used uh, Nazi symbols to pee, piss people off. Nowadays yeah. things are different. The way we mm -hmm. uh, understand uh, the uh, impact of Nazism and the problem of its current resurgence makes mm -hmm. things different. But to me, what's interesting. Is that yes? The Japanese have a, a rather different way of um, you know um, um, seeing Nazism from their point of view. They used to be allies with Hitler it. at first, uh, so they, they can't really help it to have a different worldview. To them, it's not that Hitler was nice at all. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think, uh, apart from maybe r Japanese right wingers, because they exist. Um, I they don't do. think most Japanese people um, think that way, but he is seen more as a conqueror, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, Genghis Khan or Napoleon. Napoleon was actually quite bad, but we tend to see him as a great figure of history. He's, He's very much mythicized, and yes. I blame a lot of um, I blame a lot of the um, the historians that feel like, oh, we're not going to publish fact; we're going to publish the fantasy because it's more yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's true. But uh, to me, um, the 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 first movie, the treatment of Nazis is very akin to the first Indiana Jones films. Uh, yes. To me, to um, you know the um, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, sorry, and um, um, The Last Crusade, like, they are bad, but they mm -hmm. are also thoroughly ridiculized. Yes, like, for example, and... Geralt's uh, fascination yes. with Hitler, that he goes to follow a completely unfounded lead of Hitler still being alive. It's very pulpy. At the same time, it's He's ridiculous, you know? Yes. And the figure of Hitler is thoroughly mocked in the best of ways. Yeah, which is how we should present Nazis. Absolutely. They are fucking idiots. I'm yes. sorry to say something that will probably be blipped. Yes, <laughs> they were horrible. Uh, they brought um, misery and mayhem, and they are mm -hmm. still there for some stupid reason. But they're yeah. ridiculous, and they—it's our civic duty to mock them. And to it's me, it's the Mel Brooks ap approach. It's to the it. Mel Brooks approach. Yes. Oh, imagine that, uh, Lupin by Mel Brooks. Oh, I would love it if he does it in a musical style. I would love it ten okay. times more because I'm a musical nerd. <laughs> I'm sold. If, even I, who's not that much into musicals, I, I'm sold. Mel, uh, Mel Brooks, Lupin the Third musical. You, you, you said here first. <laughs> <laughs> but to me yeah um, but it's not that much controversial but, but i understand if you know the simple fact of seeing nazis being involved in a movie um is a problem for you i completely understand but to me they are the villains and they're being thoroughly vanquished it's not a problem for me per se okay um mm -hmm. i'm very anti-nazi um <laughs> 
here's a little tidbit about my (laughs) here's a little tidbit about myself my paternal grandfather it was a soldier in world war ii he invaded on d-day and he actually got medals of honor because he oh i'm gonna you know rest in peace papa because he he passed away 10 years ago but um he um sniped he got an award for sniping nine nazis in one night like wow that's a that's a badass in my family like nine nazis in a row Nine, nine in a row. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't Nazi scalps and glorious bastards reference. Uh-huh. But the reason why I bring it up is because um, there's this thing. I don't know what is in America and how we present Nazis, but um, it's kind of like a taste and it's kind of like a, um, a show of bad taste, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking about this with my ex during our nightly Overwatch games. <laughs> like what? Like. I call this the Hitalia approach to Nazis where like, you know, in Hitalia concentration camps, what concentration camps D-Day? What D-Day? Uh, oh dear. Pearl Harbor. What? Pearl? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've watched him. No, Hitalia I haven't. Or read oh it, dear Lord. But the way it, World War II is presented, it's, you know, like, it's not a good, it's not in a good, it's not in good sense. And, um, with Lupin the third here in America, Lup- you know, if you're around the time that I watched Lupin the Third, which was in 2003, 2004, when it was mm-hmm. on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, there's a part two episode. It's the third episode, actually. Oh, yes, and in that Japanese one. It's called, yeah, it's called Hitler's Legacy. And what's funny is they show the... Um, the like you know preview for that episode but yet they don't show that episode they go straight to the switzerland episode um <laughs> i say that to a swiss person <laughs> dear lord i haven't watched it and when i will watch it eventually i will pinpoint any uh inaccuracy i promise it's 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 set in zurich so i don't know if you will <laughs> i will go to zurich specifically in order <laughs> to criticize that, that episode <laughs> Any whoosies. Um, But yeah, they dubbed it. It was dubbed, but Mm -hmm. yet it wasn't shown on Cartoon Network. And you, if you want to watch it, like it's on Amazon prime, but um, like when it comes to like the DVD releases, it was put on the fifth DVD and with a disclaimer as to why it wasn't shown. Now here in America, one thing I will say about Nazis in terms of story usage they make for great eternal villains and we always know if if there if there's nazis in it they're going to lose thankfully you know i say that with indiana jones i say that with the marvel cinematic universe but with the marvel cinematic universe it was hydra and it was like a a faction of the nazis but again hitalia approach concentration camps what concentration camps um (laughs) pearl pearl harbor what pearl harbor we're just focusing on captain america which is even Um, more dishonest really because yes the, the first doesn't um, touch on the topic of the Holocaust, which is freaking understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes place after uh, World War II. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the prologue is during World War II, and it's not spe- the year is not specified, again, in that idea that we live in an undescript time. Um, mm-hmm. But afterwards, more than a decade later, later when, you know, the, most of the movie takes place, uh, yeah. the Nazis have already lost... And so war, you understand yeah. that these um, fanatics are, you know, uh, on the edge. You know, they're, they're a small faction. Uh, most of uh, the rest of the soldiers look more like mercenaries than SS. Mm-hmm. 
They have, mm -hmm. um, you know, nondescript uh, greenish uh, uniforms. And um, yeah, it is their end. And Lupin the Third mm -hmm. just uh, helps them to not regain their former glory because that's what you know post world war ii nazis want to to do in uh, in fiction they want to reclaim glory which is one of the bases of fascism um, mm -hmm. um that was uh pinpointed by uh, umberto eco they want yes. to find a past glory and yes honestly uh, with this whole discussion of how to depict nazis uh in media this is a very great approach because it shows that Nazis do not get a second chance. Yes. So, um, you know, yeah, Pixar or even DreamWorks <laughs> is not going to touch this for that subject matter. But no, not with again, a 10-foot pole. Yeah, again, Nazis lose. Nazis are going to lose. And, <laughs> you know, America, come, come on. I Like, I, when I talked about this with my ex, mm -hmm. and I was like, fervently like what movies do you remember nazis and sound of music they were barely there rolf was the only nazi um schindler's list okay well that's uh that's a little uh, yeah. and then he's like and, and then i said wait a minute life is beautiful no that was an italian film yeah and then i was thought I, I was thinking of mel brooks and i'm like yeah but that's a more comedic tone and this is me being all preachy and in, in terms of the times that we're living in. But I really do think that the more we include something like this and yes, you know, every time Nazis lose, but the more we include this subject matter and talk about why it's bad and why they're going to continue to lose. If we would have done this a little bit more and less more fantasy esque, like Indiana Jones, hmm. um, I like to think that, the effects of Nazism, especially in the United States, could have been, you know, um, could have been diminished a little bit. Like, I'm not going to get into this really deep um, speech I have about, you know, um, Holocaust denialism or um, skinheads or anything. But I, again, Mel Brooks approach, like Mel Brooks is always asked, and keep in mind, he is Jewish and he fought against them in World War II. Mm -hmm. Like, why, you know, springtime for Hitler? Aren't, don't you think that's a little insensitive? I'm making fun of Hitler. I'm diminishing his effect and his power. Yeah, that's what needs to be made. This, and it needs to be done, which is why uh, in the first, at the end, where Lupin dressed up as Hitler, it's getting all giddy and excited <laughs> over the, the black hole machine. And then girls are like, "How dare you mock the Fuhrer?" Well, he's been he's been dead for a long time, bro. Like, didn't didn't you didn't dead. you learn that in school? Oh, I loved that. Me too. <laughs> oh, Tony Oliver. <laughs> um. Okay. So, final point. Well, I feel like this one point we could spend a lot of time on, but let's talk about the music. <laughs> Give life oh, no. back to music, you know. Uh, R.I.P. Daft Punk. <laughs> Honestly, oh God, <laughs> Yuji Ono. Of course, he is Mister uh, Lupin when it comes to music. He is the one oh, who yes. uh, 
who defined the musical tone and style of Lupin. And Lupin needs and is being defined uh, very deeply with that kind of funk, jazz uh, mix. And Eugiono, he's been doing that for, for, for decades. And of yeah, course... Ever. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. Um, but sometimes, you know, it would be a bit run-of-the-mill. Sometimes it would be, you know, uh, new versions of the same old themes. And there's a bit of that in the, the first soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But... He uses instruments he he hasn't used in a long time. Yes. He has, I think, a way bigger orchestra. At least it sounds a way more it powerful. Sounds, yeah, it does. Which means he, because here's the thing. Um, this is coming from somebody who did jazz band in high school and also did um, band band. Nice. For oh my god, uh, let's not talk about let's not talk about my clarinet days. But <laughs> that would be off air. Yes, but um, you know, with jazz, jazz. There's there of course there are big jazz orchestras and then there's like the mini ones where you just have like a flute, a couple of trumpets, a couple of saxophones, obviously the drums, obviously the piano, and a couple of strings. But um, you yeah you this is a little bit more powerful and yeah. you know Yuji Ono like kudos to the man for sticking to doing the music for Lupin for as long as he did like. You know, some people are like, uh, repetitiveness. I, I you know, as an artist, I get bored and I need, I need new change of scenery, but <laughs> no, like, thank you, Yuji Ono for staying with this for so long, because, um, this is one of the reasons why I love the franchise and that's the oh. music. I, I love jazz. Um, grew up, I have boomer, I have a boomer for a dad. I love jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I have ex Jenners for for parents, and they are <laughs> extremely jazz uh, and uh, a bit of funk as well. And but yeah, it's it's big even for Yuji Ono when it comes to this okay. soundtrack. It's uh, to me, it's worthy of uh, John Williams or um, or even Alan Silvestri. Um, oh, totally! In that he finds the right themes, the right light motifs. Uh, he pleases, mm-hmm. you know, longtime fans like us who, you know, for us, uh, Eugiono is one of the architects of Lupin mm-hmm. III, as much as Monkey Punch or, um, you know, the voice actors. And what surprised me is how much I realized that there was something very Cagliostro about it, not in terms of uh, the themes, because, yes, of course, you have similar themes, but... That's that dimension, you know, <laughs> and that's that's kind of astute for a CGI film. You know, you have new volume. Um, he he makes us dis- rediscover it all over again. Like, yeah. for example, I'm sure you were about to bring it up, but uh, the for example, the Samba Temperado. Uh, oh, yes. You know, uh, uh, in, who's being played during um, the, the Fujiko plane scene. Uh, yes. the, the chase scene, you know, uh, in the uh, South American desert. And that's the best use of that damn music. Oh, totally. Like, last time I remember it distinctively was in Cagliostro, in the mm-hmm. scene where um, after they discover um, the printing presses and, you know, the, the counterfeit money, they, mm-hmm. they set it on fire and then they do that little chase scene. And I'm just like... I mean, we're so off. Again, Samba Temerata, another thing that I heard that I just freaked the, you know, I lost my shit was Superhero. Yeah. 
it's it's an instrumental version, but it works but so if you're much. Fan, you know, so you know that song. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna be up well, in the clubs. Na, 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 na. I'm gonna be up in the clubs, just playing that version, just like drinking my hand, just like I'm the one everybody's looking for, waiting for. Scream for me, a romantic modern hero. Hero, my God. They need a hero, somebody they can look up to. I love that song. And obviously, you know Lupin's going to come out of that situation yeah. alive. So when it played, and especially for me when I watched it, when I felt more invested. Okay, I'm not saying I wasn't invested in it when I watched it um, subtitled back, in, mm-hmm. back last summer. But... Um, when I watched it on my birthday, I felt a little bit more invested in it because I was watching the dub one and two, it was my birthday and Lupin mm. the Third is near dear to my heart. So when I was really, you know, like just sitting there enjoying it and I heard that, I think I might have teared up a little bit. Oh, me too. I love that song. <laughs> me too. And it, it, it plays so well. It's near the end of the movie and it's uh, yes. Lupin's final victory. And it's a mm-hmm. victorious song. It's even a pretty arrogant song, uh, but in in, <laughs> in instrumental version, it's uh, wow! It's swooping, and you it's you feel great. Letitia's um, relief and admiration. Yeah, like that smug. bastard. He did it again. A smug bastard. Like <laughs> we love you. you. Have me fooled there, but oh my god, you're a you got you, you got our hearts again. You flipping monkey oh. man. Yes, and also the theme song. Yes. The theme song. So there's always two. Whenever it comes to like a theatrical or an OVA or special, there's always two. There's either like the 1989 theme that either gets remixed here and there, you know, the Galupani's mm-hmm. Dynamite. Wow. Or So that the, were the lyrics. I guess. I don't know. Um, the no, subtitle. It, it, it makes sense. Yes. Yes. The 1899. Yes. And if the other one, wanted... if I remember, it's um, kind of a um, remix of the uh, 78 version. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. That was for the intro. But back to the 89 yeah. version, like, <laughs> you, you know, talking about the days before we had azlyrics.com and everything, <laughs> not that it would be on there, but with the Amazon Prime. So I, I whenever any film that I watch, if, especially if it's a new film, I have to have subtitles on just because um, it's not that I'm hard of hearing or anything. It's just sometimes I get... I don't want to rewind just because I don't understand what they're saying. I understand so I always that. Have sub- yeah, I always have subtitles on. And when I... When I was watching it for my birthday and I used the Amazon Prime version, like I've always thought it was Go Lupani's Dynamite, but the way it's on the subtitles is Go Lupani's On My Mind. And I'm like, uh, I, I kind of had a pet Benatar hit me with your best shark mm. moment where like as a little kid, I used to sing hit me with your pet shark. <laughs> <laughs> My mom will attest to this. Which which would hurt more? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but back to the theme song and yeah. that intro. That was the seventy eight theme. Yeah, or absolutely. Seventy eight. Oh, yes, very close to it. It's um, very it's designated as the twenty nineteen version. Uh, well, duh. <laughs> duh. But it is based on the seventy eight version, which has, I guess, one of the a lot of remixes because it's a quintessential version it's very quintessential like that's just so it's 
it's Lupin. That is Lupin. Yeah. Um, you hear that? It's Lupin. You 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 have the picture in your mind of the the whole gang, and yeah, uh, the dun 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 dun. dun, dun. That's actually my ringtone. <laughs> oh, see. Yeah, like, well. Um, I'm a dork. I have distinctive ringtones for everybody. Like my mom, it's crazy little thing called Love by Queen, which means I avoid it. <laughs> my dad is the Knight Rider theme because he and I used to watch Knight Rider when I was growing up. Um, my best friend Maria is the Sailor Moon theme because she's obsessed with Sailor Moon. And then with Robbie, it's the Pokemon theme because he's obsessed with Pokemon. Don't don't sell everything. <laughs> They're gonna know. <laughs> But this is where I'm coming to. I have two ringtones, two different distinct ringtones. So my main ringtone, when it's not someone I know, is the Lupin the Third. Dun, 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 dun. However, and I fixed this for my iPhone. For any scam call, because I live in America, for any scam call I get, it's Genji's ultimate from Overwatch. So I totally know not to answer it. <laughs> It's like angry Japanese. Ah! <laughs> we want to apologize uh, towards our uh, angry Japanese um, listeners. <laughs> it's not a stab at you. We promise. We love you as much as anyone else. Apart from it's Nazis, Nazis lose. Uh, Nazis lose. It's just me trying to avoid scam calls. And how else do I avoid them? But every time I listen to that in Overwatch, I know to avoid Genji. Dear Lord. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking for music. Uh, the music back um one of the last things i could say is that uh one of the things that changes a bit from other soundtracks we used to um listen um for loop on the third for for yuji mm -hmm. ono is a sense of urgency again because this movie uh, never stops uh mm -hmm. there's this sense of urgency especially in the first scenes with the flashback and all the scenes with uh, the nazis or the weapon being you know uh, used in the, the last third um again a sense of scope and it mm -hmm. works with, um, you know, our, the main gist of our episode in terms of story versus spectacle. And let's, you know, let's drop the verses, story and mm -hmm. spectacle. Let, let's find common ground. <laughs> uh, yeah. It enhances and accompanies the, the spectacle in a way that I think many contemporary uh, Western music composers in movies, in big blockbusters, don't do as well anymore. Uh, yeah, this I may sound like a freaking snob, but yeah, I think that's Don't way better. Away. I will snob away, you know. <laughs> and um, it, to me, it's again one of of Eugeno's um, greatest achievements. And I regularly um, listen to the soundtrack album. Um, truly. No, it's really compelling. It's, even the music at the end, you know, uh, the, um, the, the the song, which has a bit of um, bit of a Cagliostro flair to it, and yeah, the, the fire treasure flair. Yeah, and that that melancholy, which I always associate with uh, the end of um, Japanese animated movies for some reason. That sense yeah, the, of the, the the meme of like anime introductions are just like wow, wow, woo, yeah. and then anime outros are just like melancholy in the rain like yeah. fly me to the moon but yeah it's not, yeah but that's the thing but it's not that rainy it's uh it's yes it's a bit plaintive and it works as Letitia's theme song uh yeah so you have that light motive 
but and it works. I'm it sorry works to cut so you much. off, but it works because um, you know, coming up to the two year anniversary of um Monkey Punch's passing. Yes. It's very fitting. Again, when I watched it on my birthday and I was very invested in it, um that last scene as the movie ends where it's a monkey punch quote and oh my god i'm gonna tear up <laughs> like that, that's how that's uh, how I'm much it hits to. me as a, uh, I, i'm yeah. going as well because that's how much it hits me as a fan like because we we like, may no. we may end the episode on that note but i think it's <laughs> important to to talk about that that ending like to talk about the ending you know, and about monkey punch it, oh my god like that's i didn't want to cry i didn't want to no. cry on my birthday but you know like that that ending of um i just want to continue to send lupin on adventures throughout the world and as a as if you know for me lupin the third is <laughs> it's a part of my life you know lupin the third was in mm-hmm. i'm gonna sound like a moron here but lupin the third was there for me during my troubled times in high school. Um, and while I had carpamentalized him during my relationship, my long-term relationship, after my breakup, he was there for me. And, oh my God, like I just remember on my birthday bawling, like, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> I, I, and, it, and it just... I can only, you know, I can, I can just agree with that uh, wholeheartedly mm-hmm. because I, I am a big Lupin fan, but I haven't been a fan for as long as you uh, have been. I discovered it in two thousand nine, but I'm an old timer. How can I, my lord? But um, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it. Lupin the Third did help me a lot through very hard times, not as mm-hmm. escapism, but as a way to realize that, you know, there is um, um, there are good reasons to keep on trying, to keep yes. on living, and to keep on uh, enjoying life. And when Monkey Punch, real name Kato Katsuko, um, yeah, Kato Katsuko, yeah, left us. Uh, it was almost the same day as when the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris um, burned down. And yeah. I was on the train back then, you know. It was, you know, the world before the pandemic. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Do I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. So far away. And I was there. I was on the train. And uh, I already l- learned the news, both news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I collapsed between oh my between wagons. I collapsed and cried like I haven't cried in a long, long time. And when I saw that quote for the first time, watching Lupin mm-hmm. the Third, the first illegally again. Sorry. Yeah, I... yeah. Just just tell just tell the whole podcast audience like <laughs> how much of a gangster you are, Will. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm a gangster. See. Um, <laughs> I cried so much and I think it took me like minutes to to go on with my life again and um mm-hmm. to pick know, yourself up yeah that. to pull myself up and what what's weird is you think you might get used to it and again we don't we didn't know monkey punch personally and uh, no we didn't and but his work, even though uh, the franchise evolved way past his um, initial original input, image, yes, yeah, it's so important to us. Each time I see this quote, I cry. Each time, yeah. 
Um, oh, I tear up every time. And yeah, I want people to remember that Lupin the Third will go on. We'll go on adventures, we'll experiment. We live in an age of the multiple choice Lupin. You have uh, yeah. the hard boy Lupin, you have the more innocent Lupin the third. And now yeah, you have baby Lupin, you have suave Lupin, you have de- debauched Lupin. Debauched Lupin. <laughs> you have uh, Lupin for all seasons, really. And um, there was once a man for all seasons, cough, cough, Thomas Moore, and now it's <sighs> Lupin. Yes. <laughs> With Orson Welles as the villain, of course. And uh, uh-huh. what I'm what I'm trying to say in, in between my blabbering and trying to mm-hmm. find okay. uh, um, a kind of a conclusion for, for my own part is that Lupin the Third the First is truly a great way to any newcomer in you know enjoying um, animation, enjoying manga, yeah. enjoying anime. And all of these um, still quite niche interests. Um, the first is a true, wonderful movie that will make you want to see more. You know, I used to say that if you're going to introduce somebody to the franchise, show them Cagliostro like baby steps. Mm-hmm. Or depending on, again, my analogy of the charcuterie board, depending <laughs> on someone's taste, um, go about that. Like... You know, with my personal experience, I I do regret that in my relationship, I never really got to explore Lupin with with my ex. And he's seen Cagliostro and I told him that I loved Lupin, but I never really showed him a lot of Lupin throughout our relationship. And I started showing him a little bit more now that we're just really good friends. And I showed him this film and he really loved it. And he said, honestly, if you're going to introduce Lupin, uh, you know, Lupin to somebody show them this, like, Cagliostro, who, who's she? We don't know her anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of was a little bit. (laughs) No, he he wasn't. I'm just misconstruing my ex's words, but. (laughs) We kid, we kid. No, but, um, legit, like, the first, you know, wrapping it up, the first is a very well done adaptation. It's totally top tier. Again, I understand Lupin fans that, we might have some differences in how we're enjoying it in tonality and, and that's normal you know that's healthy and it's normal you know if we all if we all agreed on the same thing the world would not have any strife and it'd be kind of bland obviously but yeah. <laughs> but you know the first is definitely for me top tier in terms of the theatrical films it's like for me in order it's the first now bumped over Cagliostro, but the first Cagliostro mamo um (laughs) i haven't seen um the live action one so i can't really rank that but then like the bottom tier for me is nostradamus and dead or alive (laughs) but you you're you're right in that they are less powerful movies that's for sure my own lineup would be uh, um close i'm a huge mamo fan and Mm -hmm. uh, i would still put cagliostro a second because i i guess i still have too much of of an emotional tie with it and i really love the 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 animation style Uh, but the first uh is uh, third place that's for sure (laughs) Yeah. So again, to my friends and family who I have not shown this to, 
Beware. Beware. <laughs> the time of reckoning is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Me trying my best to do my evil laugh and not wake up my roommates. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the whole, you know, um, that's the whole turmoil of a podcaster. Yeah. Um, so that about wraps it up i mean indeed you know this this is really fun You're like will we need to get you we need to get you on the show a little bit more <laughs> i will try i know it's a bit harder for me because i i live so far away from my my co-host and i have a completely mm-hmm. different time zone and i'm a very busy man that damn ocean oh we're all busy like oh yes yes <laughs> We've never been as busy as now, you know. Um, a pandemic is a great way to remind yourself that, yeah, you have things to do, actually. Yeah, like, okay, I do find myself that I have more time on my hands, even though um, sometimes I feel like I waste my days away. But, you know, going back, go, this is segueing into yep. um, other projects. So with the Lupon Pod podcast, be on the lookout. We're actually aiming to do more stuff with yeah. the Lupon Pod name. So definitely be on the lookout. I can't speak for myself. I mean, I would, you know, as I check my nails being all oh. smug, <laughs> but we will be doing more stuff. And yes, we'll will mm-hmm. <laughs> Guillaume will be joining us more a little bit and um absolutely yes totally so <laughs> um again um pandemic wise you know stay safe stay healthy stay sane um you know we'll make it through um and have way more adventures once once the plague <laughs> dissipates absolutely and don't forget to stay lupantic, folks. Oh, totally. Um, so before we leave, um, Guillaume, where where can we find you on the interwebs? You know, that awesome thing called the internet. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's uh, interesting. I've never heard of it before. No, really. Um, you can find me on Twitter as uh, William uh, Babe, which is my, um, my um, family name, B-A-B-E-Y. You can find me on Instagram as Guillaume Babe. Um, G- Which is his real name. Yeah, my real name. <laughs> Too late. I'm being I'm being found out. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> uh, at G U I double L A U M E B A B E Y, and you can find me on Deventart as uh, Shin Red Deer. S H I N R E D. D-E-A-R. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Uh, because oh, God, I'm yeah. also um, a visual artist and an illustrator in my... Um... He's really good, by the way. Thank like... you very much in my spare time. You're welcome. And, You're welcome. Um, if you are, on top of being a Lupin the Third fan, if you are interested in other things like Doctor Who, I'm uh, voicing a fan audio series called The Twelfth Doctor Fan Audios, which you can find on YouTube. Um, I do recommend it. I'm a huge Doctor Who nerd, old Who. You, you new Whovians ain't got nothing on me, but I do, I do totally recommend it. Like, um, I'm trying to push my roommates to listen to it too because they're Whovians as well. But it, it's that good shit right there, guys. Like, thank you. Listen. You're welcome. <laughs> and you, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can't find me. I'm like invisible. <laughs> oh, you're coming, San Diego. I am. I'm all over the world. No, no, no. Um, I wish. 
<laughs> it'd be better than it'd be better than my cheap um, apartment here in California. No, um, yeah. so you can find me on Twitter at Capley Helsing. That's C A P L I H E L S I N G, where I post a lot of like I, I repost a lot of art. <laughs> I talk nonsense and I try to make jokes, but I guess it just goes through. <laughs> oh. uh, you can. You can find me on Instagram where I do a lot of Instagram stories of stupid thoughts. <laughs> and she's the best. And, and of my life uh, at Captain, that's C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. Um, but other than that, um, oh, and now, you know, with the pandemic and everything and me having more free time and actually buying a ring light and a camera. Ooh. Oh, yay, disposable income. I will be starting my um, history series this year conclusively. I aim to have an episode out in May. Wow. So be on the lookout for that. More details to come. And who knows? There might be some Lupin videos involved. Donna? Speaking you know, of which. Um, sorry. I don't know are if you... I should announce that. Retake, Drew. Um, you will got to know <laughs> what happened before. <laughs> <clears throat> Editor's note, I'm uh, not cutting that out because, uh, well, you'll just have to see. Stay tuned. Speaking of which, don't forget to um, follow our Twitter, you know. Um, yes. Oh, my God. We got to plug ourselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, yes. we have an Instagram as well, uh, which Natalie is um, uh, currently updating. Yeah, because I want everyone to know what my Golden Girls mug looks like. <laughs> That's where it's at. Yes. Um, yes, don't don't mind me. I'm just obsessed with B. Arthur over here. <laughs> and we love comments and feedback. Don't forget to rate us on uh, the Apple Podcast or Spotify. Oh, yes, totally. Um, you know, spread the word out. We're, we're, you know, we're just beginning. We're just budgeting. We're but... still growing. We're still growing, but you know what makes what makes this fun is is just really doing a project with your friends. That's really what this is, and you know a lot of us come from different backgrounds and different um, different aspects of life. But what brings us all together is our love for that monkey face thief. <laughs> the best. The best. Like um, you know, I always tell people, mom. Most of the most of the greatest friends I've ever made was because of Lupin the Third. <laughs> That's saying something. Oh yes, <laughs> Natalie. So, before we go, yeah. would you mm -hmm. uh, give me a favor and uh -huh. say, as a last word, that Nazis uh -huh. lose? Nazis lose. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon, and stay lupantic, folks. Always. <laughs> <laughs>